One day, I shall come back. Yes, I shall come back. Until then, there must be no regrets, no tears, no anxieties. Just go forward in all your beliefs and prove to me that I am not mistaken in mine. Goodbye, Susan. Goodbye, my dear. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us on a quick trip through space and time. My name is Caleb. And I'm Mac. And this is a podcast where a Doctor Who veteran and a Doctor Who beginner go through each episode of Doctor Who and give their thoughts on it. And this week, we will be watching The Dalek Invasion of Earth. Yes, The Dalek Invasion of Earth was written by Terry Nation, who you will remember as the person who wrote both The Daleks and The Keys of Marinus, so I think we're in good hands here. It was directed by Richard Martin and produced by Verity Lambert. It debuted November 21st, 1964 to December 26th, 1964. So, as we said at the end of the last episode, this is probably the easiest time that you're going to have when predicting what the episode is going to be about. But Caleb... Given all you know about Doctor Who and this episode's title, The Dalek Invasion of Earth, if you had to take a wild stab at what might happen in this episode, what do you think is going to happen? I think that the term invasion is a really strong word. I think the Daleks (laughs) have had some time to reflect and learn and realize that they're genocidal maniacs, and they come to Earth to just say, sorry. (laughs) How right am I? So remember last time... (laughs) When I said I'm pretty sure the Planet of Giants was the first 0% prediction. (laughs) Well, here's your second. (laughs) Counterpoint, counterpoint. I'm going to give myself a 10% because I did say they come to Earth. That's a loose fucking (laughs) grading scale you got there, Caleb, but whatever. I'm going to make a prediction. Is this when at least one of the companions is going to disappear? Do one of them get docked? Do they get exterminated? I will neither confirm nor deny, but I am curious what makes you think that. Um, I don't know. It seems it seems like a big stakes thing. Like this is like everything else has been. This is the first thing that kind of comes full circle, I guess. So like, I guess in the show this should be a big moment. This is the first time that we've had a uh, a returning villain. So and I don't know if they're gonna do that. I would say go hard. If I was writing the show, I'd be like, I'm gonna kill Ian. <laughs> Why? Because I don't know. That seems like a ballsy, crazy thing to do. Well. I will neither confirm nor deny, but I will say that something definitely happens in this episode. Um, something definitely happens. Like, like, a, like a big story beat definitely happens in this episode. But you know what I think will be a, a fun game to play, Caleb? Uh, because Dalek Invasion of Earth is kind of such a straightforward episode title. I'm going to uh, ask you to predict something else. I'm going to give you a 50-year leniency gap. What year do you think the Dalek invasion of Earth takes place in? Mm, I was going to say 1963. Uh, I I assumed that it was going to be, uh, oh, you know, we're just going to come back. Things are going to go back to normal. And then Daleks. 
but you're giving me a face like that's absolutely not the right answer. Could be. I'm going to say 1843. 1843. Okay. How wrong am I? I mean, I actually, I actually know, I actually know what episode, what year this takes place in. I can tell you now, or we can wait until we watch the episode. Which would you prefer? Oh, let's just watch it. Okay. And with that, we will see you all in the future. Let's get going. And welcome back. May have just been a couple seconds for you, but it was a week for us, which Quite frankly, considering this was a six-episode story, I'm actually pretty proud of us. Yeah, we're getting consistent. <laughs> That's actually not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> so, just a couple of uh, trivia things. I mean, not to give too much of a spoiler here, uh, but this is the first story that sees a departure of a companion. We'll get to who that is later. Um this story also is the first to introduce the idea of a Dalek ranking system, as they do typically have a hierarchy. But uh, before we really dive in, Caleb, just in general, what'd you think of the Dalek invasion of Earth? Uh, I actually really liked it. Yeah. But maybe I'll know for sure once we kind of like talk about it, but I feel like it's up there. It's probably tied for first with Keys of Marinus. Yeah. Leaning, leaning towards liking it more. So here's the thing. It's going to sound like a tangent at first, but I promise it's not. Persona 5, I would argue, is the best Persona game. And I would argue that the Dalek Invasion of Earth is the best episode that we've watched so far. Persona 4 is my favorite Persona game. And Keys of Marinus is my favorite episode we've watched so far. Okay, fair enough. That adds up. So um, I'm putting Dalek Invasion close second on my ranking list. Yeah, I'm actually very curious. I'm actually very interested to uh, do this episode with you because this is one of the few episodes where we didn't have any sort of brief, non-spoilery discussions of like, what are your thoughts? Yeah, <laughs> we're going into it totally blind. I remember when we were talking about Marco Polo and we were like, I have so many things to say and yet next to nothing to say about this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I have a lot more to say this time, I think. All right. So, I guess I guess we'll just get into it, huh? Yeah. All right. The first episode is called World's End. The episode opens with a man stumbling out into the open wearing a goofy-looking helmet. He screams and collapses into the river. Cut to the TARDIS materializing, and the travelers seem, seem to find themselves in London, though it's unclear what time period it is. Everything around them is in disrepair, and Susan accidentally collapses a bridge on top of the TARDIS. The Doctor and Ian resolve to enter a nearby warehouse to look for something to clear the rubble, and in this warehouse, they discover a calendar with the year marked 2164. Barbara heads to the river to soak a rag when she sees the corpse of the man from earlier. When she runs back to Susan, she finds her missing, and a mysterious man tells Barbara that Susan has been carried off by a man named Tyler, and that Barb should follow. The Doctor and Ian find another dead body with the strange helmet, and then they spot a flying saucer. The man brings Barb to an underground station where there are other survivors of whatever, whatever catastrophe has happened. A man named David says they saw Ian and the doctor, and they are in danger. Dortman, a man in a wheelchair who appears to be the leader, arrives and confirms as much. David goes to rescue them. 
Ian and Doctor return to the TARDIS to find the women gone. They are quickly surrounded by the mysterious Roboman, and the episode ends as they see a Dalek rise from the water. Bum, bum, bum. Bum, bum, bum. So I'm not sure if you caught this, because I barely caught it, and I also feel like I'm about to talk out of my ass, but what was this episode's title? Uh, World's End. That is the name of a bar in London. It isn't the, also um, the title of a movie with, oh, what's his name? It's an Edgar Wright movie. You know, it's Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz. Yeah, like yeah, the yeah. Third that, one that, in that, trilogy. that trilogy. Yeah, um, At World's End is the name of that movie because that one is about a group of friends going on a bar crawl that ends with the end of the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so I think it was it was like a joke among the writers I'm not sure if, like, they were filming near there or something, but it's funny. Now laugh. Ha. Ha ha ha. Ha 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 This episode uh, starts off strong with the suicide. <laughs> great, great start. <laughs> <laughs> that was my first note. Just the guy screams and then walks into the river, and I was like, all right, starting off strong. Good go, good go. <laughs> This isn't a note about anything in particular in the beginning, but this season I have noted that the Doctor is way nicer to the companions for absolutely no reason. Uh, he was nicer to them in Planet of the Giants, and then he's just like super, like he has a line with Susan, or not Susan, Barb, and he's like, oh, I don't want to make your homecoming like awkward, or like, I want to ruin your homecoming. <laughs> I'm like, what? Well, the Doctor's never said anything like that ever. I will once again remind you that after Edge of Destruction, he started realizing how necessary the companions were for his continued survival. So I, so he kind of started the friendliness there. And then repeatedly he has attempted to land them back at home, and he has failed that. I feel like he's he feels bad at this point that he's tried to get them home and has failed so many times. Fair point. Counterpoint. In the Reign of Terror... He's literally just like, okay, get the fuck out. <laughs> He's not even going to check to see if it's the right place. Well, that's what I'm saying. In the Reign of Terror, he was very confident that, yep, I got it, leave. But then he was dead wrong, and almost all of them almost got executed as a result. I don't know. I, I don't know. He, he just seems nicer. And on a counterpoint to that, he's like such a flagrant asshole to Susan in this episode. I don't even know what to say about it. <laughs> kind of. On that, on that note, though, it was really weird. Ian and Barbara seemed really optimistic that the Doctor definitely landed them in the correct place. And it felt like a complete switch from the Reign of Terror because they were confident, oh yeah, the Doctor's, the doctor's landed us in London, here we are, back home. But the Doctor's like looking around and seeing like London in ruins and like the gross-looking river and he's just like, I don't think this is the right place. <laughs> Ian and Barbara's like, no, no, it's totally, it's totally London. The doctor's like, no, no, I don't think it is. That, that's true. That's true. Especially considering like they're so skeptical. I don't know. I feel like Ian at least is very skeptical of the doctor's ability to even operate the TARDIS. <laughs> yeah. On the note, Ian has a li another line in this episode where he's like, well, if it's a year or two off, that's not a big deal. I'm like, no, that's a huge fucking deal. <laughs> but, okay, here's a question. If they do go back in time and they go back to, like, 1962 London or whatever, will they find themselves? Like, will they go to their teaching jobs and also there will be 1962 Barb and Ian? 
possibly if I landed if they departed in 1963 and they landed in 1962 basically I would just like keep a low profile and just like hang out for a year and then on the day that they left in the TARDIS I'd be like all right time to go back to my job fair enough close the loop (laughs) fair enough uh, but you, but what if they came in 1965 and Ian's like, oh, a year or two, it's not that big of a deal. Is it was he just going to do walk back to his chemistry job? He still definitely has. I don't know. <laughs> that is a wonderful question that we may or may not get answered. I'm just throwing that out there. <laughs> well, I'm, I, I don't even care if it's answered. I'm just wondering why, why does Ian think it's not a big deal if it's two years wrong? Because the doctor, the last couple of times he's tried to get them home, he's overshot it by... Somewhere between two and all of the years. So <laughs> the fact that he's in the right decade is good enough for Ian. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair point. I'll take it. Sorry, there's so many lines in this episode. In this episode specifically, that's kind of like laughed at and just kind of stood out to me. And at some point, we'll actually talk about the actual plot. But here's another line from the Doctor that I thought was hilarious. Okay. Uh, Ian is like, hey, look at the sign that says, no, what, what does the sign say? Something along the lines of uh, do not dump bodies in river. Oh, uh, like yeah, yeah. It's like, don't dump the bodies in the river. It's like, what a weird sign. And the doctor's like, I know, it's a terrible place to put it under a bridge where no one's going to be. <laughs> <laughs> uh, chef's kiss. Amazing. Yeah, that's probably that's pretty... the best line in the whole show. <laughs> that was pretty funny. <laughs> Speaking of great lines, and in this case, line reads. So Susan, like, climbs up uh, climbs up the wall, climbs up the bridge to, like, take a look around. And she, like, loses her footing and she falls and sprains her ankle. And Ian... <laughs> I love how exasperated Ian sounds after Susan falls. Because she falls, does her usual scream. And I'm pretty sure his exact reaction is, Susan. <laughs> like, he's, he's just as sick of her shit as the rest of us are. Uh, yeah, because, like, it's in that moment, like, she falls, she knocks, like, a refrigerator over or something, and it causes a bunch of rubble to... I'm not sure what she does. She does something, and it causes a bunch of rubble to fall in the TARDIS. Yeah, she falls, and then the bridge that they were under collapses on the TARDIS. I choose to believe that her fall did absolutely nothing, but her scream resonated (laughs) with the stone so hard that it collapsed. (laughs) I like that. That's the new Uh, canon. Uh, speaking of Susan's scream, I noticed a huge gaping plot hole. Are you ready for this? Lay it on me. So Barbara goes over to the river to uh, re-wet the washcloth. And then she comes back and Susan's gone. And these people have kidnapped her. We've spent nine stories with Susan so far. Look me in the eye and tell me that Susan would not scream at the top of her lungs if someone tried <laughs> to carry her away. <laughs> That's fair. Why didn't the doctor and Ian hear the scream? Although, I just filled in the plot hole myself. Barbara is so used to hearing Susan's shriekings that it's just kind of like a white noise in the background <laughs> for her. It's just like, yeah, she probably saw a bug or something. <laughs> oh, Susan. Susan. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, or if you even remember, but the moment when she falls and she knocks everything over, doesn't she also have a line where she's like, well, it's not all that bad, and the doctor's like, oh, yeah, no, it's not all that bad. The TARDIS is buried under a bunch of rubble that we can't move, but yeah, no, you're right, it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Something like that. (laughs) The doctor's getting sassy. 
Just as Susan uh, loves Barb, absolutely loves Barb, Susan, fuck her. <laughs> uh, there was a moment where Susan's being carried away, and Barbara and the other guy is, like, chasing after them because the people that we will come to know as Robomen are uh, following them. And they're in a tunnel, and Barbara accidentally kicks a bucket, and it, like, echoes throughout the tunnel that they're in. And then, very similar to how in the Daleks, she screamed at the top of her lungs to tell the doctor to get down so that no one would notice them. Barbara kicks a bucket and causes a slight echo throughout the tunnel. And then Susan just screams, Careful, Barbara! <laughs> like, it's a, it's a bucket? And you're currently louder than the bucket, Susan. Calm the fuck down. So yeah, world's end has consistently the best moments of the whole show. So many memorable moments. Probably not for the reasons they should be memorable, but... The Doctor really is just so... He gets them into so much trouble, and it's so funny, because the Doctor and Ian have an exchange where, like, they've gone through the ruins, they saw a calendar that says 2164, there's... They found an unconscious Roboman, Roboman in there, and Ian says, we need to get out of here. And the doctor says, aren't you a little curious? And I'm like, doctor, read the room. There's a time and place. We need to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> it's that. It's the same curiosity that also fucked up the situation in the original Daleks episode. The last time we had to deal with these fucking things. This episode moves along, but not really anything happens in it. There were a couple things that I noticed when they were, um, they got to the refugee survival survivor rebel hideout whatever you want to call it they're trying to figure out like how barbara and susan are useful and barbara mentions that she she's a pretty good cook and david says okay she can cook and turns to susan what can you do and susan says i eat <laughs> and i was like that that is a funny line but it's also really sad that she's right because susan contributes fucking nothing to the team <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she she wasn't being snarky. She was being honest. She's being honest. No, I'm a leech. Don't mind me. <laughs> and then they were getting in. They were being shuffled inside the inside the hideout. And what was the scientist's name? Uh, Dortman. Dortman uh, stands guard, and he's like pulls out a knife. I'm like, not to like downplay your your capabilities, Dortman, but like, why don't you have a gun? I feel like a gun would be a lot more useful for a man in a wheelchair than a knife. Especially, I mean, assuming that they were going up against Roboman, because a knife or a gun aren't going to do shit against the Dalek. But still, <laughs> if you're going to put him on guard duty, give the man a gun. Surely you have one somewhere in there. I, I do know they have at least one because Tyler produces it later in the story. <laughs> There's at least one gun, but Dortmund doesn't have it. Uh, you mentioned the funny the funny sign when they noticed. The funny line when they noticed the funny sign. I love how long it took them to notice the body dumping side. Because they parked right next to it. <laughs> <laughs> and they were wandering around that area for a while. And it took them so goddamn long to notice the body dumping sign. <laughs> Yeah, good point. So Max watching it the whole time, and he's like, why aren't they looking at that sign that says no body dumping? It's bigger than the TARDIS. Why haven't they noticed it yet? 
Why haven't they noticed that other sign that says, all hail the Daleks? <laughs> and maybe it's because I watched it late at night, but Doctor and Ian notice the sign and they're like, oh shit, we need to get the fuck out of here. And they turn the corner and there was like three Robomen waiting for them. Maybe it's because I was watching it late at night, but that legitimately startled me. Then turning the corner and the Robomen just standing there. I don't know what it is. Like, ah, okay. But that's all I got for this episode. Yeah, like I said, this episode moves along, like, has a nice pacing. Uh, it's mostly because, like, there's two stories going on. Mm-hmm. But, like, yeah, looking back at it, like, not really a whole lot happens. They show up. <laughs> the, do- the doctor just has banger after banger lines. <laughs> and then a Dalek comes out of the water, and that's really it. So That's actually something I'll say in favor of the Dalek invasion of Earth, just in general. The pacing. I was expect because you expect the six-episode ones to drag like they usually yeah, do. Yeah, I know. When you told me it was six episodes, I was like, fuck. This one actually goes along in a pretty good clip. Yeah, it really does. And it, and it just keeps going. So Yeah. Uh, no, I enjoyed my viewing of it. Yeah. So uh, you want to go ahead and go for the second episode? Yes. The Daleks. The Dalek and its minions capture Ian and the Doctor. Back at the Survivor base, they listen to Dalek broadcasts, ordering everyone to surrender or be destroyed, while a woman named Jenny tends to Susan's ankle. Dorman says he had a, he has an acid bomb that he believes will destroy the Daleks, and the Rebels plan an attack on their base. At the Dalek base, Ian is confused about why the Daleks are still alive. The Doctor informs him that that event on Skara was a million years in the future. In their cell, another prisoner named Craddock tells them how the invasion began and how a meteor shower brought about a deadly plague that fractured most of society. That's when the Daleks invaded. The Doctor manages to escape the cell, but is immediately captured by a Dalek. The episode ends with the Doctor being strapped to a strange machine as the Daleks prepare to robotize him like the others. The beginning of this episode has a moment that made me laugh so fucking hard that I had to pause it and go in the other room and tell Brittany what just happened. Oh no. (laughs) I'm not sure if you noticed it, but the Dalek was like holding uh, Ian and the Doctor at gunpoint and the Robomen were surrounding them. (laughs) And the Doctor turns to Ian and says, I think we should use our wits to defeat them. And then the Dalek says, I can hear you. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. That didn't happen. It was so fucking funny. And and it um, made me realize there was was a part. We're going way back. We're going back to episode two. We're going to to back to the story called the Daleks. Not this episode called the Daleks. The story called the Daleks. There was a moment that also made me really laugh in that one, and I'm sorry that we did not bring it up in that podcast episode, but it was right after Susan got done writing the note, and she signed her name at the end, and the Daleks were reading it, and they were like, what is this last word? Susan? And then Susan starts giggling, and they say, stop making that noise! Uh, yeah, the dogs are my favorite. They have no sense of subtlety whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, it's great. I love them. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Also in that same scene that kind of made me made me laugh was the doctor was like, "Don't don't worry, Chesterton. I've got a plan. Just follow my lead." And then he just starts shit talking the Dalek. <laughs> He's just like, 
Oh, you think you're big and tough, do you? you if you want to destroy the earth, you're going to have to destroy all life on the on this earth. You you ain't shit. I just wrote down, it's like, don't worry, Ian, I've got a plan. Y'all ain't shit! Your dicks are small! <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I really hope your plan gets better than just shit-talking <laughs> the guy with a death ray pointed at us. Do it. Shoot me. Shoot me with that death ray. <laughs> I fucking dare you. I feel like half of the Doctor's plans always end up being something like this. Don't worry, I've got a plan. Watch me get us in more danger. <laughs> As someone who is currently doing his rewatch of New Who and is at the beginning of uh, season six, uh, yes, that is how 90% of the Doctor's plans go. <laughs> oh, well, I'm glad, they, I'm glad they stick to the shtick. You know what I mean? Um, I do know of one line that said at some point the doctor is about to go out and face uh face a whole bunch of enemies and they're like okay so what's the plan he's like i don't know i'll just go out there and start talking until something happens and then take credit for it usually how it works (laughs) (laughs) accurate so we go to the headquarters and the radio is playing and it says and it's just the daleks saying survivors of london the Daleks are the masters of Earth. The Daleks are the masters of Earth. And, like, you've been ruling this planet for, like, a couple of years now. Like, we heard you the first thousand times. You don't need to keep telling us that the Daleks are masters of Earth. We get it. We understand. <laughs> Fair enough. I don't know. Does it... Well, no. They do kind of explain the timeline, even in this episode. <laughs> So yeah, I don't know. They're the Daleks. They have no subtlety. <laughs> they have to remind you. Just in case you forgot, here is your 6 a.m. reminder. The Daleks are the masters of Earth. We will be back in an hour to remind you again. <laughs> now I'm just picturing a Dalek morning radio DJ. <laughs> we'll be back with this message after today's top 40 songs. All 40 of them are the same. The Daleks are the masters of Earth! <laughs> I'd like to talk about the Robo-Men for a second, because I find their very existence fascinating. Because the fact that the Daleks came up with a way to basically pilot a dead human body this with this robot helmet thing kind of implies that the Daleks are, like, admitting to themselves that they can't do everything. And that they need a lesser species in order to achieve their goals. Which I find fascinating as a concept. Yeah, no, I thought that was interesting too. It was like, you know, they they recognize that they're just tiny little lizard people in uh, big <laughs> trash cans. Yeah. Uh, so they need people who aren't trash cans to actually do things. Because they see humans as so subpar, but like, they also need them in order to achieve their goals. Yeah. So I think I think the concept is really fascinating. Um, I don't like the name Robomen. Robomen is a really dumb name. Yes, I agree. It is dumb. They are also not robots. Why does anyone call them robots? Is it because they have big metal helmets? I guess I don't know, but I do agree there. Like even like metalheads. That's a better name. That was the name of the monsters in Jack Two. That's a cool name. <laughs> yeah. I really took issue with that. And it was also just, you know, when I wrote at the end that they're about to robotize the Doctor, it was so hard for me not to originally write and then also read that as robotomize. <laughs> robotomize. 
kind of like that which <laughs> sounds cooler in my opinion it does there was another really well edited scene where susan and barbara are at the headquarters and it's being explained to them how the invasion happened and then ian and the doctor are in their cell on the dalek ship and it's being explained and their fellow prisoner is explaining to them how it happened and just like cuts back and forth of the two expositions it's similar to how it was in the planet of the giants where it's like we're getting all of the information but it's but it's from two different sources mm-hmm. and i just thought it, i thought that was a, a very a very well done scene yes i actually feel like the writing in this story is the strongest of the series so far mm-hmm. just in, in the way it conveys information the pacing which we already kind of touched on yeah uh yada 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 Dortmund has a recipe for acid bombs, which sound cool, but I don't know why he thinks they will work. He hasn't tested them. He even says he yeah. test- hasn't tested them. Exactly. So, he, so he's just like, we're going to invade the flying saucer. We're going to invade the Dalek mothership with these acid bombs. They're going to kill them. And they're like, wow, how do you know? And he's like, I don't. You're going to find out for me. Because he's just like, look at, look at the formulas. Look at that. It's all, it's all there. I'm like, okay, we can test it once though right just once i'd rather not send the bulk of our forces into a suicide mission with a weapon that we're pretty sure works it definitely works the notes check the notes look at the notes and then later he's like can the doctor check the notes (laughs) (laughs) well later when the bombs fucking fail uh he's like oh i see where i went wrong i was supposed to do the okay uh yeah, yeah, yeah okay now i understand okay this bomb this is the good bomb <laughs> um this is getting ahead of ourselves because that's in episode three but when he said but since but since we brought it up when he's like oh of course it's the dalekanium on the chassis of their suits i'm not gonna lie Mike. he made that up there's no such thing as dalekanium <laughs> That, that that was textbook bullshitting your way through a class speech. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm not going to lie that it definitely sounds made up in the moment. I will also go ahead and tell you, Dalekanium does come up more in future Doctor Who episodes. That is the canonical name of what their shells are made of. <laughs> oh my god, no. <laughs> I'm not saying it's not stupid. I'm just saying that's what it's <laughs> called. This is Peak making a movie about why there's a big band that blows up the Death Star. (laughs) (laughs) That's what that that is. That's writers in the future trying to, like, actually explain dumb decisions earlier on. (laughs) Yeah. I know you liked it. I hate Rogue One. I hated Rogue One. All right, to Rogue One's credit, it's a great-ass movie. I mean, uh, we'll we'll talk about it later. This is a Rogue One podcast now. They're trying to come up with a strategy of how they're going to get to the the Dalek saucer and how they're going to launch their attack. And earlier in the scene, uh, they said, we have this helmet for the for the Roboman. We have this Roboman helmet. I'm going to call them metalheads from now on because Roboman is this dumb name. So we have this metal ma- metalhead helmet. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. So they can use that as like a disguise so they can sneak onto the ship. And then later in the scene, Barbara is like, why not Why not use the helmet to sneak in to the, Dal- to the Dalek ship? And everybody's like, oh my gosh, that's a great idea. Why didn't I think of that? That's brilliant. I'm like, was that, was that not what you were planning on doing? 
already? Why was it not what you were planning on doing already? Oh, that's what we could use it for. We've just been using it as a vase up until now. That is way better. Shitty vase. Can't hold water, though. Yeah. This is a much better use for it. I really like the moment where they take time to explain why the Daleks are alive. You mean the little discs on their back, or...? No, I mean, like, I, I really appreciate the fact that, like, Ian and um, the Doctor take, like, five minutes of the episode to explain why the Daleks are alive at all. And also, why do they look and move better <laughs> than they did? Yes, because they have discs on their backs that let them move around without using the static electricity of the city on Scarrow. Yeah, yeah. Not to not to keep referencing Star Wars, but it kinda it kinda feels like watching the original trilogy and then watching the prequels and then asking yourself, why does the tech look better in the past? <laughs> <laughs> also, I think is this the first time that they like officially confirmed that the events on the Daleks, the original episode two, uh, was in the future? Because I didn't think they like for sure said that. Yes, that is act- that was something that uh, actually was listed in the trivia. Um, that this confirms that the Daleks happened far into the future, a million years into the future too. And like, no, and listen, like we, the universe is like sixteen billion years old or something like that. So uh, it's not that like a million years isn't that long, but it seems unnecessarily long. I feel like he was just throwing out a number. Because if it really was a million years in the future, man, both the Daleks and the Thaw was it Thals? Yes. Yes. The Daleks and the Thals did not evolve at all in those million years. <laughs> Which is again like a retcon because they talk about they talk about in the Daleks how the Daleks must have evolved into like little mutant lizard people. Yeah. So my headcanon is that the doctor recognizes that the events of the events on Scarrow probably happened uh, far into the future, uh, but he wanted to sound more impressive. So he's like, it happened a million years <laughs> into the future. And everything I know about the doctor confirms that headcanon for me. <laughs> yes. When actually it was just like eh, 150, 10, <laughs> something like that. This is the year before the events on Scarrow, actually. Also, Caleb. Do me a favor. Please explain to our sexy and intelligent listeners how exactly Ian and the Doctor break out of their cell. There is a, a light sensor, and uh, the Doctor says some things, and there's a kerbopper, and the door opens. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> there's like a weird tube thing. That has, like, a magnet inside of it, and then there's another magnet just, like, lying nearby, and for some reason, and then they pick up the magnet, and they use it to, like, drag the the other magnet outside of the tube, and then they use both magnets to, like, disrupt the, the, the door locking mechanism, and then... The door opens, and I have a couple of questions. <laughs> First of all, did the Daleks just invent an escape room? Is that what this is? 
they wanted to give their prisoners a fighting chance, so they put the means to open the door in the cell. Here's the headcanon for me. They did build an escape room. Uh, they, they did leave clues on how to get out. And then they went, the smartest will get out. The smartest will be robotomized. Because there there is a Dalek literally just waiting outside the door. Now that, now that you say that out loud, I think that actually is legitimately what happens. <laughs> I feel like when they take the doctor away to put him on the table, they say something along the lines of, they have passed the test. This will be roboticized, blah, blah, blah. So I think, yeah... But also, why? <laughs> this seems needlessly complex, Daleks. Why are we doing this? <laughs> uh, because the because the plot wouldn't move on if they didn't. What would be the big cliffhanger that's pointless two minutes later in the next episode? <laughs> I don't know. But it's funny because they're in the cell with their with their cellmate, whose name I totally remember and probably wrote down at some point. He's uber relevant. I mean, he's a little relevant. He's there, and Dr. and Ian talk about how they've encountered the Daleks. And he said, we met them once before, and we, out when, and we outwit them then, too. And I'm like, you used an army of pacifist aliens to sneak through a swamp and then get into a prolonged wrestling match with them. But yeah, sure, you outwit them, whatever. <laughs> yeah, you know, you're the masters. His name is Craddock. I know that because I wrote it down. Craddock. Yes. I feel like I do have that written down somewhere in my notes, but... But he's, like, weirdly accepting of that, too. Uh, just, like, everything about them. They're like, you guys don't know what's been going on. And they're like, uh, we were on a moon base. And he's like, oh, yes, of course. And they're like, wait, you know what the Daleks are? Uh, yeah, we dealt with them before, but we don't know what's going on here. And then Craig's just like, fuck it. Okay. Sure, I don't... Sure. <laughs> I don't care. I have Larry written down in my notes larry comes up later he's like another guy is he a different guy yeah he's a different guy i could have sworn they were the same person they look almost exactly the same you're having the same problem that i had in reign of terror where i kept getting everyone confused because i thought they all looked the same legit caleb i thought they were the exact same character because i could have sworn both of them mentioned wanting to go save their brother who was in the mines i don't remember him ever saying that in the cell I don't know, you might also rely on um, the Dr. Wiki to help me write these <laughs> summaries. And according to the summary, the guy in the cell is Craddock, and the other guy is Larry. Okay, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> All right, real Doctor Who fans, let us know how wrong we are. Yep, be sure to tell us Follow in the comments on Twitter. just how At stupid we are. DW. <laughs> quick trip DW. Um, I really don't have anything else to say about this episode. The Doctor gets to get out and then he gets robotomized, or they try to. Susan and Barb aren't really doing anything like they the people hatch their plans and that's everything else that happens with that is kind of them just like building up to infiltrating the ship they took part in the no the attack hasn't happened yet that's the beginning of the next episode yeah and on that note on that note go for it uh, a lot happens in this episode so I have a big long descriptor thingy so buckle up <laughs> buckle up kiddos the day of reckoning just as the Daleks plan to robotomize the Doctor, the Rebels launch their attack. In the panic, the Doctor is rescued, but Dortmund's bombs do not work as planned. In the confusion, Barbara retreats with the Rebels, David and Susan get separated from the rest of the group, and Ian is left behind on the ship. The Doctor is nowhere to be found. Back at their base, the Rebels decide to get out of Dodge, leaving Susan, Dortmund, and Jenny behind. 
Ian emerges from his hiding place on the ship and is attacked by a ro robotized Craddock. That's what happened to Craddock. Who dies when he collides with the Dalek machine. Ian meets another prisoner named Larry, who is hoping to ride the ship to Bedfordshire to find his brother. David and Susan are dodging Dalek patrols as they kill civilians. The Daleks, not them. And they stumble on a man named Baker as he drags the doctor along. Baker leaves hoping to find his own way, but is killed by Daleks. Barbara and Dortmund and Jenny dodge patrols as they make their way to the museum to retrieve Dortmund's notes on another bomb. He realizes the Dalekanium casings of the Daleks is how they survived his acid bombs, and he concocts a new formula to defeat them. Daleks arrive at the museum and Dortmund goes outside to face them with one of his new bombs. However, they fail again and he is killed. Susan and the doctor argue about what to do next, but ultimately he concedes to David and Susan's idea to head north and find the rebels. Back on the Dalek ship, Larry tells Ian that his brother had a theory that the Daleks are trying to mine the magnetic core of the Earth. The episode ends with two Robo-Men placing a firebomb near David and Susan's hiding place with a timer ticking down. The Rebels attack the Dalek ship. So I've been watching a lot of, well not a lot, but I've been watching some Power Rangers, like early Power Rangers lately. Mostly just so that I can listen to a podcast called The Morphin Grid that I really like. And uh, the opening fight reminds me so much of uh, fights that took place in like season two or three where they were still using the mighty Morphin suits, but the footage they were getting from Japan was using different suits and different monsters. So what they did was they just like had the people in the Morph in the mighty Morphin suits like fighting and then cut to the monster like reacting but you never see the rangers and the monster in the same shot because they can't be because they're using the wrong suits. That's what this fight reminds me of. It was just all the humans like throwing bombs and firing and stuff and then cuts to the Daleks reacting and firing and stuff. And then it cuts to the humans and it's like <laughs> back and forth, back and forth. Maybe they made, they learned their lesson from the climax of the Daleks and and it's like, wow, having humans fight these things looks really stupid. Let's not do that again. <laughs> maybe. Uh, maybe I, I'm sure they did have more Daleks for this. Yes, they they uh, commissioned they commissioned two more. I also feel like this is like too early to break them. Yeah, uh, because a few do get broken later. Yes, or at least one does. Yes, but we'll get to that. But yeah, I mean, like, yeah, it's uh, it's dated fight scene footage. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> A common trend in the show. But it is exciting. A fight that took place in 1964 was dated? What? <laughs> but I mean, like, it's fine. It's explosives. There's some, like, crazy editing tricks and, you know, some people fall down. There's a lot of yelling. Yeah. I mean, they did the best with what they had. Yeah. I mean, they did. Uh, I would say it's confusing in the sense of, like, I you don't really know what's going on. Because, like, I was like, where's the doctor? And then I was also like, how did Ian get out? It isn't. And, like, right after the fight is when they say the most of their men died. I was like, I'll take your word for it. I couldn't tell. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't see anyone die, but sure, man. But just for the briefest second, like, they cut back to the headquarters and Barbara was, like, lying on the table and they mentioned how most of their men died. Just like for the briefest second, it looked like Barbara died in that fight. 
And I'll be like, oh, that would have been such a ballsy move. <laughs> but then she just like wakes up groggy a second later. <laughs> like, ah, damn it. Almost damn. had it. Overall, I like Barb in this story. Uh, she takes charge. Yeah. The first, like, uh, probably 10 minutes of this episode is that fight. Would you say that's right? Somewhere around there, yeah. And just, like, events happening around that fight. Like, they they get the doctor out, and then Ian hides in the saucer. Mm-hmm. I mean, it goes on for a while. I'm kind of... Because, con- again, I conflated the two characters in my head of Larry and Krasik. Why didn't they just have it be the same character? Krasik dies, and then immediately Ian befriends a different prisoner of the Daleks, and then they go on their merry adventure. Because you wouldn't have had the shock of one of them being robotomized. Guess. Also, apparently it's a really, really, really fast process. <laughs> Uber fast. Like, less than five minutes. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of characters where they're, uh, they're like, oh, and here's this new guy, and then they die. Or here's these new people, but then they betray them, and then they become totally irrelevant later. This episode has a lot of characters. Caleb, um, I have this note later, but I'm going to bring it up now. And I... I want your genuine opinion on this. The Dalek invasion of Earth reminded me so much of The Walking Dead. You know what? (laughs) I can see that. Oh, this character died, but it's okay. We have something. We have a new similar character who just came in. Oh, darn. They just died tragically. And um, this other character is out for their own benefits. And then this other character, these other characters uh, betray the heroes in order to uh it felt like a mix of a zombie apocalypse and a alien invasion apocalypse story there was just a lot of similarities i noticed in this where like if this were written today this would be like the walking dead which i mean i honestly think it's like a bad thing that there's like a ton of characters and some of them you know show up and then just die so. I'm, I'm not saying it's it's bad i'm saying that i just noticed similarities and I'll, I'll point them out as we go along because i don't want to like super spoiler but there are a couple of instances where i'm like this character would fit in a zombie apocalypse yeah <laughs> yeah um so yeah so ian meets larry and larry's like i'm because <laughs> he, he doesn't even say that he's like a prisoner uh, it kind of makes it sound like he's like a stowaway and like he's intentionally on the Dalek ship to go to, what's it, like Broadshire or whatever? Something like that, yeah. I don't know. That seems ballsy. That seems ballsy to like... Way to go, Larry. I mean, you know, good good away as any. I mean, like you could have walked. Um, <laughs> it... <laughs> but by the way, like... That's what I'm saying. Like, it seems unnecessary. Um, it's also England. It can't be that far away. <laughs> I um, I made the note. Spoilers, I guess. I don't know. Susan and David fall in love, and I knew that going in, and I made the note of, I want to see if David and Susan have more chemistry than Neo and Trinity, and I think they do. <laughs> nah. Nah. Caleb? 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 I no, watched it's that episode. True. It's true. I watched that movie for the first time with you a couple of years ago. They share like two conversations, my dude. <laughs> no, I know. I, I, I just watched. I literally just watched it again two weeks ago. <laughs> um, and I was like, yeah, there's no chemistry here. Still one of the best movies ever made. <laughs> I actually 
do think they have a surprising amount of chemistry, which I kind of wasn't expecting, um, because there's a there's a scene between David and Susan where it shows that I wasn't totally bullshitting when I said that Susan's arc is wanting to find a place where she can settle down and belong, because she talks about how David should come with them when they when they eventually leave. David should come with them because Susan likes David and. He's like, no, I have I have stuff that I can do here, and um, I, I have stuff that I need to do here. Why don't you stay? And Susan's like, I can't, because the, my grandfather needs help. He needs protecting. I I can't stay here, but I really hope that someday I will be able to stay somewhere. Foreshadowing, and I. Yeah. As much as I might complain about Susan, I do really like this aspect of her. Yeah, I really I really do like Susan's arc in this episode, and it seems kind of like a fitting place to kind of like bookend her story. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, uh, I, I pretty much like everything with her and David. This is getting a bit far ahead of ourselves. Um, saying that they love each other is a big leap, but yeah. I can understand why in the heat of it, like they might think that because they're teenagers and well at least susan's a teenager i don't know how old david is he looks kind of old but but they're young so they're passionate they obviously have chemistry they survive traumatic events together that's true <laughs> and uh what is that called when um it's not stockholm syndrome but it's kind of like stockholm syndrome where uh like when you have traumatic events with someone even if they're you're total strangers with them like you have some sort of like a lifelong bond. Yeah, there is like a bond that forms that's super strong when you both face the same same adversity together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, where's my, Where's my wife at? She's studying psychology. She would know the answer to this. I don't know. You can go ask her. <laughs> no, she. I. Uh, she's doing something. Okay. I'll update you in the next episode. <laughs> Love is a strong word, but I get it. I guess I buy it enough. <laughs> yeah. I. I. I buy that they have romantic chemistry uh to start with um we'll get to how quickly they jump to certain conclusions uh later in this episode yeah there was a scene shortly after that where barbara jenny and uh dormant are like running through the streets of london trying to get to the museum and that scene goes on for a really long time and I choose to believe that the reason it goes for as long as it is is because they really needed to justify how much it fucking cost to close down the London streets around so many national landmarks. Yeah. Because <laughs> they go over, like, the London Bridge at one point, and there's no cars <laughs> on the road. I can only imagine how much that fucking costs to close that down. <laughs> I don't know how big of a deal they were at this point but where they were like look we're doctor who we need to shut down traffic on the london bridge i mean it was one of the most popular shows at the bbc at the time so yeah they're a big deal they're bigger than the queen <laughs> probably anyway where were we at in this episode uh so yeah therefore or they get away they flirt for a little bit i like how like some guy shows up to like bring them the doctor and then just walk off screen and dies immediately well later guys i'm gonna go die <laughs> i don't know i appreciated that at, at least at least we know what happened to everyone in this episode yeah there's none of this confusing wait what, what about that what about this we know where everyone ended up in the fucking ground there were no loose ends in this episode <laughs> because we killed them all and then we get to they're at the museum and they're trying to figure out what their next 
Barbara, Jenny, and Dormant, they're trying to figure out what their next move is. Dormant realizes that he's probably going to slow them down in terms of their escape from London, and he also needs to test out his new bomb formula. <laughs> um, so he just kind of kills two birds with one stone by going out into the streets and calling out the Daleks, and then, like, a cowboy whistle happens in the background, I imagined. <laughs> Tumbleweed rolls Tumbleweed. across the road. <laughs> and he throws the bomb. I think it actually does work. I think his bomb does no, work. No, I don't think it... I, I think, think he misses. But I think, like, the acidic, like, fumes, like, do fuck with them a little bit. I don't know. I don't, I don't remember the scene that much. I thought I had it written down where it didn't work. I, <laughs> Maybe he failed and not the bomb. I mean, spoilers... They never use the bomb again. So whether it worked or not is completely irrelevant. <laughs> totally irrelevant. Totally irrelevant. One of the few flaws of this episode is, yeah, there's this acid bomb that is important for two episodes, and then fuck all the rest of them. Um, and as kind of bullheaded as Dortmund is, I kind of really love him as just like the sole scientist who's not that good at science, but he's the closest they've got, <laughs> so they're going to use him. <laughs> Damn it, Mac, he's trying. He's trying his best, and I respect the hell out of it. I love Dortmund. I'm gonna I'm just saying it now. I love Dortmund. Um <laughs> and I just I'm I made this uh this riff while I was watching the scene in, in addition to the cowboy whistle. Um Dortmund goes out to face off with the Daleks. <laughs> I just wrote down, We're not so different, you and I. Neither of us can go downstairs. <laughs> <laughs> Tisk tisk, Mac. So then cut to Ian and Larry trying to uh, get off the ship after it landed. And they open up like this chute. And Larry says, well, what's down that chute? And Ian says, your guess is as good as mine. Let's go. And they both like dive down to try and escape. And now in Ian's defense, he hasn't seen Star Wars yet. <laughs> Larry has no such excuse. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. You have Fair, to know that actually. going down this chute in an alien spacecraft probably won't end well. It only leads to bad things. I mean, it doesn't in this case, but like in general, it's usually not a good idea. And uh, doesn't Larry like even volunteer to go first? Is that where he does that? I think so. <laughs> because Ian's like, well, we don't know what's down there. And he's like, Larry's like, it's all right. I'll go first. If you hear screams of bloody murder, don't do it. It's like, eh. You're part of the main cast. I'll go first. Don't worry. I'm expendable. <laughs> Larry has a good run. Larry has a higher survivability rate than almost every other side character. <laughs> it's true. We cut over to the Dr. Susan and David, and they are waiting in like this um, this uh, side area, waiting for the Daleks to like pass by before they get out and move. And you'd think for a couple of people who are um, listening and waiting for the enemies to move on so that they can move on. Uh, you'd think that they'd, they'd be aware of their surroundings enough to hear two metal heads carrying a heavy bomb, setting it down and then pressing a button and making it go tick, 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 like 10 feet away from them. Yeah, that's true. But, oh, well, maybe they were just listening for Daleks. I don't know. But that, um, I really enjoyed that fight. Or it's kind of a fight between 
Susan and the doctor towards the end of the episode. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it's a great moment. Um, it's because like it's obviously building towards how the story ends, mm-hmm. because the doctor wants to go back to the TARDIS. Um, but Susan wants to do David's idea of finding the rebels. And uh, I'm trying to remember exactly what he says. You know, he does his usual thing where he's basically calling her insubordinate and like just a child and like he ne- she needs to listen to him. Um, but then uh, David comes in and basically says he's going to defer to the doctor and whatever the doctor wants to do. And then the doctor, like of his own volition, kind of goes along with David's idea. What is David's idea of finding the rebels? Um, I don't know. I think that's really great. That was a good little character development moment for me, for the Doctor. Yeah. I'm like, wow. Like, you're less, you're still a prick, but not as much. <laughs> but yeah, I like that moment too. Yeah, I'm sorry. I don't have anything else to say about it. I like it. I'm not the smartest film analysis guy. <laughs> I'm just like, I like that. And I liked it because I liked it. It's okay. You're pretty. You're the, you're the face of the show. It's okay. Uh. Um, but yeah, that was my, I think those are all my notes for that episode. Yeah, I really have anything else. They, they put a big bomb down. It goes tick, tick, tick. It's very stressful. Yep. All right. The next episode, The End of Tomorrow. Shock of all shocks, the bomb is solved in about two minutes. The doctor faints from shock, and David suggests leaving him behind so he and Susan can head into the sewers to find help. Susan begrudgingly agrees. Jenny and Barb are fixing up a truck, hoping to use it to escape the city. While roaming the countryside, Ian and Larry encounter a man named Wells, who is trying to meet a black marketer named Ashton. Wells tells them that the Daleks have destroyed London. Barbara and Susan get the truck running and run down some Daleks as they escape in the most badass moment for Barb ever. They jump ship just before the truck is destroyed by a Dalek flying saucer. Making their way through the sewers, David and Susan encounter Tyler. David waxes poetic about rebuilding society and hopes Susan will join to stay to help him do it. Uh, that was a bad way to phrase that. They both lose Tyler and Susan nearly falls off ladder nearly falls off a ladder but david saves her tyler returns saying he has found the doctor and the group makes their way back to the surface larry and ian dodge a hideous creature called the slither and meet ashton ashton is kind of an asshole but he gets killed by the slither and the others nearly fall off a cliff as they are pursued by the monster caleb you forgot one of the most important parts of that episode no god the thing that they're trying to avoid down in the sewers is the giant alligators that live down there. And when Susan <laughs> yes, the falls off the, the ladder that Susan's on, it's breaking. Giant alligator is right below her, ready to chomp her up the moment she drops. It is not at all a super zoomed-in footage of a baby alligator. Nope, definitely not a baby alligator that you just super zoomed in. That is a real <laughs> giant alligator. <laughs> I was wondering, because I, I was like, is that alligator white? I was like, why does it look so weird? No, that's, now I know. It is a baby I'm alligator. I'm just an idiot. I have held a baby alligator. That is a baby alligator. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like a lot of footage from here, uh, like a lot of like the B-roll comes from like stock BBC footage. Probably. Because, I don't know, that the alligator thing seemed like BBC, like, nature footage. Yeah. I didn't mention it because the word count on all these descriptions is getting, like, super long for this story. So you mentioned Susan is, like, okay with just kind of leaving the doctor behind. Here's a fun fact for you. When filming the scene where uh, the doctor is, like, taken off of the 
shuttle of taking off of the saucer, uh, William Hartnell fell off of the ramp and landed on his back. Like he fell on his back. Like I forget what, but like he landed on something and he had to take an entire week off to help heal his bruised back. So the doctor's very short appearance in this episode was the same stand-in that they used in Reign of Terror for, like, the long-distance walking shots. Hmm. And that's why he's conveniently not in this episode, like, at all, because William Hartnell had a bruise the size of a basketball on his back <laughs> and was actually, was actually like, paralyzed for a couple of hours. <laughs> Whoa. So um, I'm assuming they're like, okay, we need... We're already started this episode, so we're just going to use Edmund over here to to uh, fill in for Bill. Um, and then we're going to film all of the scenes that don't have Bill for all the future episodes. And we'll just bring him in when he's feeling better to film everything else. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. What we're talking about? <laughs> The doctor wasn't in this episode super long. Uh, they talk about alligators, but then it's really not very important because Susan gets pulled off the ladder fine. Uh, I don't know. Nothing really happens in this episode on the end. But things do happen with Barbara. Like her running down a Dalek like a boss bitch. <laughs> yes, I loved that. And I really <laughs> loved it Like right after she runs through the, the Daleks with the fire truck. And then Jenny was like, nice shot. And Barbara was like, yeah, I felt good. <laughs> I was like, oh, God, she's tasted blood. <laughs> <laughs> and so it begins. Barb's insatiable bloodlines. Thus begins the second reign of terror. <laughs> um, I also just like love her smug face on it. When Jenny's like, wow, it worked. It's like, that was awesome. And Barb's like, yeah, I know. It's just that I imagine the, because I'm ruthless. <laughs> like the pixelated shades. Yeah. <laughs> We are at the mines now with Ian and Larry. Uh, I have a question for you, Caleb. Why do the Daleks have human slaves? Because they can't get out of their little trash cans. Yes. And they need to mine to the center of the earth mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. For, un for unknown reasons. Yep. <laughs> yep, that is absolutely true. Let me reword my question. Why do they have slaves that haven't been turned into metalheads. Listen, those helmets are probably expensive. <laughs> <laughs> they cost a lot of space dollars, okay? <laughs> we don't have hands. They're very difficult to make. But you know what? That's not, that's not, even, a, that's not even a bad argument. <laughs> and then you have to ask, are the Robomen building the Robomen helmets? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's, it, it seems very iRobot-y. At some point, Ian and Larry are cornered by a metalhead, and he's like, you will come with me, you will come with me, and Ian just says, like, no, and then the metalhead is like, I, 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 and just kind of, like, short circuits. I'm like, why does questioning the metalhead make them go error? <laughs> Did no one try that before? <laughs> That's a good point. I, I didn't even think about it. I was like, oh, yeah, like they're they're dumb. <laughs> they like they know how to give orders. They don't really know how to like respond in the moment. They're kind of like the brain slugs on Futurama. Yeah, I don't remember whether he said no or he asked why. But like either way, 
seems like a serious flaw yeah, in the design. Yeah, it seems like a serious flaw. You gotta, you gotta patch that, <laughs> Daleks. <laughs> I'm trying to picture what it is it sounds like. I have, I have the note written here that the Slither's roar is really fucking weird, but I don't remember what it is. It sound, I think it sounds like a dude, like, screaming bloody murder, but, like, at the end of a uh, wrapping paper tube yeah it sounds really weird it's it definitely sounds like someone is just off screen in the studio making that noise i just can't (laughs) place how they're doing it (laughs) but yeah like yeah it just sounded like a guy just like yelling and then underneath that it was the same sound just like really distorted you know how they do like demons or like ethereal beams in um like video games and stuff but it was that but done really badly yeah because it just sounds like a dude and then there's also like something else yelling the same thing <laughs> yeah i don't know it was interesting uh not enough of the slither in this episode and since we're bringing that up this is also when we discover ashton who is a raging asshole for almost no reason ashton is one of the characters that i'm like you would be in a zombie survival series yeah <laughs> he's a human who has running like his one person black market and like other humans come to him for help and he's like yeah what can you do for me what do you got you got something this you don't get something for nothing what do you what can you offer me kind of thing he's one of the characters that i was like you would be in a survival in a zombie movie <laughs> for him being such an asshole i kind of wish he was around more a little bit <laughs> he was a he was a new dynamic yeah he gets too he gets killed too quickly yeah in the sewers they think there might be metalheads around and there might be giant alligators around so they need to be really 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 quiet but they've separated from tyler so it's probably a really good idea for susan to walk through the sewers and shout tyler over and over and over again I know I get really hung up on Susan being the least stealthy motherfucker in the room, <laughs> but it, she's the least stealthy motherfucker in the room, <laughs> and it drives me crazy. And then we cut back over to Ian and Larry being chased by the Slither. I think Larry like almost like falls off the cliff, and then Ian pulls him up or something like that, and they're stuck between the cliff and the Slither, and then the credits start to roll. And I was like, oh, cool. This episode ends with a literal cliffhanger. (laughs) They're not even being subtle anymore. Of all the instant cliffhanger fixes that we've had so far, this one's the, this next one's the worst. Mm -hmm. I'm just throwing that out there. It is. It really is. On on that note, I'm done with this episode if you want to move on. (laughs) Yeah, let's get to it. The Waking Ally. Ian, Larry, and Wells jump into a mining bucket down in the pit, and Ian hits the slither with a rock, causing it to fall to its death. The bucket begins to descend before they can escape, though. Back in the city, the doctor and his party are forced back into the sewers. The group catches the robomen pursuing them, but the doctor refuses to kill them. Jenny and Barbara find shelter with a pair of women, and one of them abruptly leaves. She returns with the Daleks, who capture the two and take them prisoner. In the mine, Laren and Ian find Larry's brother but he's one of the Daleks' robo-men. When he can't be reasoned with, Larry gives Ian a chance to escape by attacking him. Both men are killed in the conflict, and Ian and the workers try to escape. 
David and Susan flirt for a bit, and then the Doctor and Tyler return to discuss why the Daleks invaded. Ian finds Jenny and Barbara in the mine. Barb tells the Daleks that she has information about the attack on the Daleks, about an attack on the Daleks, and she is taken to their leader. In a separate room, the Dalek leader reveals their master plan to remove the Earth's core and replace it with a power system that would allow them to steer the planet anywhere in the universe. As Ian hears this plan, over the PA, he hides in a metal container, unaware that it is the penetration explosive the Daleks intend to use. Alright, so let's address that bullshit of cliffhangers, shall we? (laughs) Okay, so... (laughs) They have their backs to the cliff. Slither's gaining on them. It's really tense. They have no idea what to do. The shot cuts to the Slither being weird and going... Cuts back to Ian and Larry. And there's the shoot. There's the... There's the lift that they could take right behind them, just there, where it <laughs> visibly wasn't a second ago. <laughs> Let's get in this chute here that seemingly appeared out of fucking nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe it's not like an automated thing where like you know it goes up and down and to the side and like rescuing people from slithers. <laughs> And then what, Ian like hits it in the head with a uh, a rock, and then it just falls off the cliff. Yeah, is that how that happens? I think so. And then Larry says, "Let's get out of here." And Ian says, "No, hold on. Someone might have heard us." And I'm like, "Yeah, so let's get out of here. Someone might have heard. <laughs> what are you talking about, Ian? Let's fucking go." And then, oh no, the mining cart thing is moving. No, no, who could have predicted this series of events? Yeah, but Mac, but if Ian got out of the cart, then they wouldn't have gotten down into the mine. Yeah, 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 yeah. In The Reign of Terror, one of the things I complained most about was just, like, how it kept cutting between stuff. But unlike in The Reign of Terror, where it felt like we were playing musical chairs, I like in this one that there were just three different stories happening at the same time with Barbara and Jenny, mm-hmm. Ian and Larry and Dr. Susan and David so that it, it feels, it feels fresh. And the rain, like the reason it was like particularly bad in rain terror, it was just like trading people out of prison. So like, mm-hmm. there wasn't any sense of emotion. Yeah. Whereas like, e- even if like somehow it was written where like the party members were switching, at least everyone is like moving and going somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, they all have their goals. But now, but 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 they they realize like, hey, we're on to something with this in the Reign of Terror, and then they did that in this, and I was like, yes, do this yeah. all the time. This is exactly what you were requesting <laughs> in the Reign of Terror. <laughs> but yeah, the Slither was disappointing. I wanted more out of it. Love it, yeah. Dies like a bitch. The the two women that Barbara and Jenny meet up with, they are uh, they are more characters that I think would fit in a zombie apocalypse because. They're living just like in this hovel and they have been getting by by making clothes for the slaves and the Daleks come by to get that kind of stuff. And in exchange, the Daleks give them food and they're useful as not slaves, apparently, so they don't fuck with them. And then these two women completely sell out Barbara and Jenny in exchange for more food and obviously what these two women did was a dick move but 
I like that after they left, after Barbara and Gian were taken over, Barbara, I'm so used to saying Barbara and Ian, I just called her Gian. <laughs> Barbara and Jenny uh, left or were taken away by the Daleks. They kind of rationalize it to themselves, saying that they that those two would have been captured either way, regardless of whether they said or anything. So at least this way, they have food. I like that the character that I don't agree with what these characters did, but they still had a rational, like a logical rationalization of why they did it. Yeah, it humanizes them, you know. Yeah, it's like they're gonna get captured either way. In one of those two scenarios, if they stay here, they're going to get captured. If they leave, they're going to get captured. In one of those two scenarios, we get food. So we may as yep. well do that one. I don't remember exactly how it goes, but I f- it feels like, you know, the two women are there. Susan, or Barb and Jenny show up. Um, and then one of them is like, I have to leave. <laughs> um, what's that? You're running from the Daleks? What's that? You're part of the people who attack the Daleks? I have errands to run all of a sudden. <laughs> Anyway, I have to go over there now. <laughs> I'll be back in a minute. Bye. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Alarm bells would go off in my head. So we go down to the mines. And I think we have probably one of my, one of, if not my favorite scene in this story where Larry reunites with the roboticized phil because like larry is like begging phil for mercy and it's like reminding him of like his wife his phil's wife that's waiting for him back home and larry's and phil's just like still just like blank and then phil goes to like attack ian and the others and so larry starts fighting phil and like killing them and they end up killing each other but like at the last second as Phil is dying, he says Larry's name. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, oh, oh, that's good. That's good that his dying word is the last bit of humanity that he has left in him. Oh, that's good. I love it. Oh. <laughs> no, it's true. Genuinely good moment. Uh, I, I also like really, really enjoy that moment. Uh, I was about to bring it up if you didn't. Yeah, it's great. I also love how Larry is like, well, like, well, listen, like, if you're not going to join me, you're gonna get in the ground. <laughs> yeah. If the, if I can't have you, no one can. I mean, he's putting his brother out of misery because he knows that he his brother wouldn't want him, wouldn't want to be like that. So, Mac, you're taking all the fun out of this. I'm sorry. <laughs> Let me just imagine that Larry for a second is just petty and vindictive. I've always wanted to kill you. This is the best chance. There's not a court in the land that would convict me. I'll even make myself look like a hero by saying, save yourself, Ian. No one will believe you. So there's the the Dalek base um, where they have, like, charts drawn up of, like, where the shoot is going to go and into the Earth's core and stuff. I want to know, like, I will pay someone at the BBC to tell me a genuine answer. Did the Daleks draw those charts themselves? (laughs) and if so just like with like the blowtorch in the episode the daleks did they replace the plunger with a marker (laughs) to draw them and are there different colored markers these are all genuine questions that i thought during this scene and i want answers to all of them (laughs) there's just one there's one artist dalek (laughs) 
and it's just a Dalek with like one of those like canvas aprons on. <laughs> He's got like a little artist beret. <laughs> I never wanted my art for war. <laughs> no one understands my work. <laughs> So then it's in this scene that we reveal that, that the Daleks are hollowing out the Earth's core so that they can use the Earth as a ship to travel through the stars, which sounds metal as hell. It is That is a cool idea, as long as you never ask why. <laughs> Just yep, don't that, ask why, and it's a really cool idea. <laughs> Uh, I thought that too, like the black doll like, like rolls into the room and they're like, finally, our master plan come to fruition. We will replace the Earth's core with a system allowing us to steer it wherever we want in the universe. Because. <laughs> <laughs> I know we had ships to get here in the first place, but look, it's just really cool. Okay, just let me have this. The Earth has coasters. <laughs> we do not. Again, really cool idea. Don't ask why. <laughs> they just felt like it, okay? Some some scientist back on Scarrow was like, I have an invention to turn an Earth's core, or turn a planet's core into a universe hummer. <laughs> and the black dog was just like, fuck yeah, sign <laughs> me up, bro. <laughs> We will hollow out the Earth's core and pilot it like a spaceship. Why? Because fuck it, that's why. <laughs> spring break, spring break, spring break. <laughs> we won't use the Earth to pick up bitches. Okay, how much more can we squeeze out? I don't know. Joke? I feel like we've still got a couple more. <laughs> I just love the idea of Daleks trying to pick up space bitches. <laughs> Look, I painted <laughs> I painted flames on the side. <laughs> I painted flames on the side, bitchin'. <laughs> I painted flames on the side. Actually, just like torched the equator. <laughs> the entirety Literal of flames. the entirety of South America is just fire. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, crying. Okay. <laughs> Earlier in the episode, Ian's down at the mines, and he hears some people coming. He hears like Daleks and the slaves and the robot men coming. Uh, so he hides up against the wall, but he hides up against the wall that they're going towards. They would easily be able to see him as they were passing by. And I was like, wow, that hiding place sucks. You cannot pick a worse hiding place. And then at the end of this episode, he proves me wrong by hiding inside the bomb that they were planning on sending to the core. <laughs> I have nothing more to add other than Ian sucks at finding hiding places. Good job, Ian. <laughs> and also, I'm a child, and I could not get over the fact that this bomb was called a penetration explosive. <laughs> I knew you were going to say something. <laughs> <laughs> Remember in high school when I would literally just laugh when penetration was used in literally any context? Yes. 
I do distinctly remember that. Still like that. Because <laughs> every, every time it says, like, the penetration explosive, I'm like, anything else. Call it literally please, anything please else. Please call it literally <laughs> anything else. I can't get through this episode. <laughs> On side note, I've also thought the exact same thing because I've been playing the Demon Souls. And I've beat the Tower Knight, so the next boss that I need to fight is the Penetrator. And I just thought of you the entire time. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Nothing has changed. I'm sure we'll come up with some more stupid (laughs) The Earth as a Vehicle (laughs) jokes. But but other than that, I am am done with this episode. Yeah, I I could keep going with the Earth thing, but... Uh, I think that was like a solid five minutes. <laughs> and none of it will be cut. None of it. All right. The last episode, baby. Flashpoint. Ian pulls some wires on the bomb and disarms it. As Roboman inspect it, Ian escapes through a different hatch and uses a rope to climb out of the pit. But a dock severs it, causing Ian to fall. Barbara and Jenny are taken to the control room. Barbara rambles on about the Civil War to try and trick the dogs before trying to use a console to give the Roboman an order. It fails, though, and the two are restrained. At the bottom of the pit, Ian sets up some bars to stop the descent of the bomb. The doctor saves Barbara, and she uses the console, telling the robo-men to to betray the Daleks. Chaos ensues. Ian is reunited with the group, and everyone escapes the shaft just as the bomb goes off. It isn't deep enough to destroy the the Earth's core, but it does cause a volcanic eruption. The Daleks have been destroyed, and the invasion is over. Back in London... David tells Susan that he loves her and wants her to stay. She says she loves him too, but she can't abandon her grandfather. The doctor locks the doors and tells her to stay before dematerializing with the others. Susan seems torn, but ultimately grabs David's hand as she walks off screen and into her new life. Aww. Aww. The very beginning of this episode, it's Ian stuck in the bomb, and he's just like pulling wires out <laughs> out of the bomb from inside. And I'm like, it's a really good thing that that worked because I was expecting like, okay, I'm going to cut this wire. (laughs) (laughs) The show just kills off all the main characters in 10 minutes. (laughs) And then like the bottom like falls out and then Ian falls down into the chute that may I remind you is has miles and miles and miles long so they can reach the Earth's core. But don't worry, it came to maybe a slant at some point. So he's fine. He's fine. Don't worry about it. Ian's fine. Every single goddamn bone in Ian's body definitely didn't shatter when he landed. It's fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to lie. Everything about Ian in the first half of the episode like confused me. Because, yeah, stuff like that. Like, why is the shaft that shallow? Uh, why didn't he break his bones? Why... I, I was curious, why is it going through a door? Aren't we supposed to be going down? I don't know. Why is there a door there? Why does opening the door and propping it open keep the keep the bomb from going any further down? I'm not saying that none of this is, like, impossible. I'm saying that they didn't frame it well enough to clearly convey what the fuck was actually mm-hmm. happening. Mm-hmm. Barb has a great moment, though. I know I kind of, like, glossed over it uh, in the summary, but... When she's presented, when she's taken to the Dalek leaders, and she's like, "I have information on this fake plan to attack the Daleks," and they're like, "Okay, tell us the plan." She starts talking about the rebels, and they're like, "We don't care about that. 
tell us the plan. And then she just starts citing facts about the Civil War, which I laughed at at first, but then I was like, mm, but it, it helps her not have to create a lie. She's stating stuff confidently because she knows it's true. Because she's because she's a history teacher, so she would know this and shit. And the Daleks just accept it because they don't know fuck all about human history. Yeah, I thought I I agree. It was a it was a boss ass moment, and she's had a lot of those in this story, which is really good, really cool. Yeah, no, Barbara's MVP. <laughs> yeah, and there was a one point when she mentioned uh, they were going to the rebels, still referring to m- moments in the Civil War, where, like they were going to uh, recruit the Indians, and. Daleks are like, we already control India. And they're like, nah, 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 nah. Uh, and then she says, the Red Indians. And I was like, oof, Red Indians, not a great look. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I thought that too. I was like, cringe. Uh. Mm, 1964. All right, continue. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, but then her uh, ploy ultimately fails. Now, Mac, help clarify something for me, because something did confuse me in this episode. And I don't know if I just wasn't paying attention. Okay, but uh, there's a moment. So the doctor gets into the control room and... The Dalek is coming to attack them, but as it gets closer, it, like, malfunctions. And the Doctor seems to know that's going to happen. What happened there? I was very confused. You're right, because something something does happen. Because he's standing there, like, confidently, like, you're not going to hurt yeah, he, me. Yeah, he, he's, he's got that, I'm holding I'm holding the uh, my shirt up by my yeah. collarbone <laughs> look. Yeah, I'm, I'm, hold, I'm holding my jacket just, and, like... Chin held up high, looking down at the Dalek, like, what you gonna do? Shoot me. Do it. Shoot me. Yeah. And then the Dalek dies for some reason. I genuinely don't remember. I was confused. I was like, okay, the the doctor did something, I guess. I was more confused by, like, Barbara is distracting the Daleks with this bullshit about the Civil War. And meanwhile, Jenny is, like, trying to tamper with the controls. And then Jenny gets caught. And then... Barbara tries to go over to the radio to command the uh, Robomen to attack the Daleks, but they, but she gets she gets caught, and then they're like held prisoner by like these magnetic neck braces against the wall. And I was like, "Cool, Daleks, why don't you just shoot them? Why don't you just kill them? Otherwise, there's a chance they might escape and ruin your plans." And then the next note down I have is like that. <laughs> For a race that says the word exterminate a lot, they really don't do it that often. Yeah, I think I might have said this in the Daleks, but, and I'm going to bring it up, almost literally every single episode that has the Daleks in them, for a ruthless killer race that takes no prisoners, they take a lot of prisoners. (laughs) (laughs) This is is an episode that actually could have been solved by more violence. (laughs) Yeah, I don't remember what happens with that Dalek, but it shuts down and then... They send out the order of, hey, rebel against the Daleks, and then the metalheads do that, and they basically kill all the Daleks, and then the bomb explodes, and I'm like, so were the Daleks only in in England? Because they've conquered the whole planet, but were they, did they all just congregate to this mineshaft in England, and then explode and kill all the Daleks? Because if not... There are other Daleks on the planet right now, and I'm kind of concerned about them. <laughs> the only thing I can say is uh, the black Dalek was the leader and he had the keys. Maybe. Although, although they did send out the order to all the, all no, the metalheads. So, like, in theory, all the Robo-Men are betraying 
the Daleks. Yeah, all 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 across the globe. So. And they just know that because, well, why wouldn't that be happening? Yeah, so I'll buy that. So things have calmed down. They've cleared away the debris to the TARDIS. Susan mentions, ah, there's a there's a hole in my shoe, and um, Doctor takes takes her shoe and says that he'll he'll mend it. And he he says a line that really sticks out in my head. That um, says, ever since you've been away from that school, you've been thoroughly disorganized. I'm like, yeah, almost as if she functions better when she's in a stable environment, not like the TARDIS. There's so much characterization and development here in this stupid sci-fi show in 1964, and I love it. No, I agree. (laughs) He's finally figuring it out, Mac. And maybe, just maybe... He won't be an asshole, even though we're about to talk about it. He's kind of an asshole about how he solves it. He's kind of an asshole, but it's... we'll get to it in a second. <laughs> then David says that she should stay, and then he proposes to her and says that they should get married. I'm yeah, like, that's what I was talking dude, about. I mean, this is some extreme, these are some like Romeo and Juliet level leaps of logic. Yeah, I mean, they've known each other for like a day two days tops i'm like i i totally buy that they have romantic chemistry i think they absolutely do just you know there are more steps david my dude maybe take it a little slow although you know it's the year 20 2160 whatever maybe social norms have changed and it just like rushes along i don't know i don't know from my perspective they came on he came on strong what I really like about this moment is, you know, they're talking about that. Susan says she loves David, too, but she can't leave her grandfather. The doctor hears this conversation, and he's like, I have a solution. Locks the doors. Yeah. And I really, really like that because he knows that she will be happier here. And he also knows that regardless of that fact, she will still come with him. So... It's like a tough love situation of like, I'm taking that decision away from you. I'm doing this for your happiness. No, I know. I know. And like, it, it's good. I like it. I just also think it's kind of funny. I don't know. I think it's funny. It was like, oh, wow. Susan, Susan's connecting with someone. Thank God. Lock the door. <laughs> Quick reconfigure. Change the lock so she can't open He's it. He's been waiting for this moment. He still loves her enough to not like leave her to die. But the moment he'll leave her and he knows she'll make it, lock those doors. And, man, this is a really good departure scene. Yeah, I really like the Doctor's speech, too. So Yeah, it's it's probably, to this day, it's one of the most famous, like, Doctor speeches ever. Like, it's used so many times. Like, in the 50th anniversary episode, they used this speech a couple times because it's so poignant. Just the, one day I will come back. Yes, I will come back. Till then, there can be no fears, no regrets, no anxieties. Just go forward in all your beliefs and prove to me that I am not mistaken in mine. And it's just, it's real good. I like it. Yeah. Nom, 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 nom. I like it. Yeah, it's so good. And then you see Susan drop the key to the TARDIS on the ground. And then she, you can still tell that she's torn. And then she just turns around, holds David's hand, walk off. It's a, it's a, it's a good moment. It's, it's a good scene. It's a good scene. I really like how she just, like, the TARDIS dematerializes and she just, like, walks over to where it was for a second as if she, like, expected it to, like, still be there. And then she drops the key on the ground. I was kind of expecting her, like, keep the key as, like, a memento. But she's like, no. That time is over for me. 
So, yeah, that's pretty much all I have for this episode specifically. Yeah, that's all I have. Final thoughts? As we said at the top, this is this is probably uh, the most solid story I feel that we've had so far in terms of just pacing and intrigue and writing. I, I would argue that this episode is the best episode that we've watched. And, you know, the more I'm thinking about it, I'm like, is it? Do I like it more than The Keys of Marinus? I don't know, because the Keys of Marinus felt more like a like an adventure, but so much of like significance and so many really good scenes happen in this episode. So, but yeah, it's definitely it's definitely a top tier episode for me. Um, I like how it felt like a zombie apocalypse crossed with an alien invasion, and I honestly have difficulty thinking of any sort of real complaints or bad things to say about it. And I think that's fucking rare mm-hmm. so far. <laughs> yeah, no, I totally agree. Yeah. I think after we've talked about, it, I think this is my favorite story so far. I mean, the pacing is really great. It's thematic. Mm-hmm. It's, did I say well-paced? It's well-paced. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's well-paced. Ah! <laughs> but no, I just, I really, I really enjoy it. And like, I feel like I've said every time, I feel like they're catching their stride, but like this is concretely very, very good, I think. And the things I don't like about it are things that are probably wrong with every single TV show from this period. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, th- this is this is a, a genuine appreciation from this and not like my mostly ironic enjoyment. Because even though I, I yeah. really like the Keys of Marinus, I like its like vaguely episodic structure to the overall plot. It still doesn't tie together mm-hmm. as well. There's still some parts of it that just drag. Um, but I don't feel mm-hmm. like this story suffers from that. So Yeah, I, I don't think there was ever really a part that dragged. I think the closest that we got to it was just the prolonged scene of Barbara and Jenny and Dormant uh, running through the city streets. But again, I think they were just trying to justify how much it probably cost to close off those streets. That was the closest it ever got to dragging for mm-hmm. me. But even then, the music is great in that moment. So Yeah, even then, the music was great, and it felt like a, doing a little mini tour of London, which was neat. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, but I really like it. I think it's my favorite story so far. And so now, we are going to do our first iteration of this segment that we've had planned since before we started, but haven't had a chance to actually do until now, which we've decided to call Goodbye My Dear, where we talk about um, the companion that is departing, and just in general. So, Susan Foreman. We're supposed to talk about our favorite moment, but uh, I don't know. We'll see what that is for both of us. We'll, we'll, we'll see what that is. We'll, we'll, get, we'll get to the favorite moment. But uh, Susan Foreman. I couldn't make the argument that Susan is the most important companion in the entirety of the series. She's the last connection that Doctor has to his home, so now he is just like a traveler. He no longer has anything tying himself to his old life that we never saw before an unearthly child. It is now just him moving forward. She also has one of the most iconic and emotional departures in the entirety of the show. And I love that she had a consistent character arc of her wanting to find a home. And I thought it was very, very poignant. And I really, really like that. And all of this makes it super awkward 
that the only feeling I'm having is relief <laughs> and elation <laughs> that she's finally fucking gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, it's going to be interesting because, you know, I feel like I feel like Susan's important. And I feel like her leaving the show is kind of going to like dramatically change the dynamic. But also, it's going to change the dynamic. And I feel like that's immediately going to be for the better. <laughs> yeah. Caroline Ford is great, I'm sure. She seems really nice from from what I've seen in like interviews and stuff. Like she as a person, Caroline Ford seems really cool. But Susan does not do anything ever. No. Ever. And yeah, I think two companions is all I need for now. <laughs> yeah, she is the quintessential like damsel in distress. She never really contributes anything other than just randomly falling down and spraining her ankle or getting kidnapped, or getting scared by moving eyes. <laughs> as great of a connection, that, as great of a character as she is in concept, I really wish that she had more to do in practice. Mm-hmm. I'm really looking forward to seeing it moving forward, because um, what the TARDIS crew dynamic is. Caleb, have you ever been hanging out with a group of friends, and you're all having a great time, and then one of them, uh, like, goes up to go to the bathroom or something. And then the conversation just comes to a halt. Because it turns out that that one friend was, like, the linchpin that was holding the group of friends together. And without that one person there, none of you really have a reason to hang out together. <laughs> That's what I feel like is going to happen with Susan's departure. Because she's the doctor's granddaughter. And... Susan is the whole reason, the entire reason that Ian and Barbara came onto the TARDIS in the first place. So now it just feels like there's just going to be like this awkward air hanging about the ship. I'm really looking forward to seeing how they handle this. (laughs) Yeah. In my theory, I still think everything's going to get better because I feel like Barb and the Doctor have a good dynamic. Ian will be the odd man now. He's going to be the awkward third wheel. (laughs) That's my prediction. Listen, if this if this gets Barb off of babysitting duty and all the other stories, I'll take it. <laughs> um, I know you have your your running headcanon that the doctor is still trying to get Ian killed. Oh yeah, doctor still. But like the, the doctor and Ian do have like a camaraderie at this point. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> and he's been nice lately and it's weird. I'm not sure I like it. <laughs> Now that I've kind of got over the shock of just how much of an asshole the Doctor was in the first season, I kind of miss it. (laughs) Well, you can always go back and watch those episodes if you want. No, but... (laughs) (laughs) Um, One of the trivia that I actually have for this episode is that Carolyn Ford cried real tears while she was filming Susan's departure. Carol. Because uh, she really enjoyed playing the part of Susan, but she wanted to leave... She basically has similar, she loves playing the character Susan, but she has similar opinions about the character as we do. She felt like she was just playing a little kid who was not, had no real reason to be there and was just screaming all the time. And she wanted to move on and have a career where she can play more dynamic characters. I get that. Favorite moment of Susan. I hesitate to say her departure was my favorite moment (laughs) although it was a good moment if i had to pick something else other than her fucking leaving it would be in the sensorites where she was basically the 
Professor X to the group that was going down into the aqueducts. Because she seemed to excel in the sensorites more than anyone else did because she had the like the mental connection mm-hmm. more than anybody else on the crew. Yeah, I think that's an acceptable choice. Mine is way dumber. What's yours? I think my favorite moment is literally in episode one. Okay. When Ian and Barbara are like reflecting about this weird girl in their class. And Susan is all like, uh, I know Professor Ian, but get, can we use active chemicals? Passive chemicals are so boring. <laughs> <laughs> I want to blow up the school, Mr. <laughs> Chesterton. Why can't I blow up the school? I, I don't know why, but that moment is always stuck with me because I, I can even picture the way she's like squirming in her seat and she's delivering the line. <laughs> yeah. The best moment for Susan. And then I felt like it was all downhill from there. And I, I thought I thought we got to the bottom of the hill a few times and then it just kept going. I'm looking forward to seeing future episodes just because, man... My eardrums need a break. Just her constant shrieking. It's like, oh, just just rest, sweet eardrums. Just, it'll be okay now. I can finally watch the show with headphones. Yeah, it'll be a nice change of pace, won't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I have to say about, uh, about Susan. Yep, that's all I have to say, period. And that's it for this week's episode. Uh, if you'd like to talk to us about it, you can find us on Twitter at QuickTripDW. And if you'd like to just talk to us in general, you can find Mac at MacTheMa. And me at cob underscore Clark. You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and all the other popular ones. And uh, yeah, that's where you can find us. Join us next time on a quick trip through space and time in which we have our first adventure without Susan in The Rescue. Whoa, hey, there's my hot studying psychologist wife. I have a question for you. Um, is there a um, condition uh, when people, it's not Stockholm Syndrome, but when people survive traumatic events together and they form like a lifelong bond? Is that a real thing? Is there a name for it? Well, then what, what good are you, Kylie? <laughs> Well, get farther ahead in them, because I need answers. No. She's Googling it. I could have done that. (laughs) (laughs) That thing where people survive tragic events together. Damn it, Kylie. You're hot, but very not helpful right now. I agree. All right, anyway. I'll update you later.